straight, no chaser. So good. Here we are once again. Straight No Chase of the Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Four dudes talking about a bunch of different things uh, of various interests. My name is John Cook. I'm the person that talks most, kind of like the host. Um, broadcasting live from Silver Spring with some ice cold fruit punch Kool-Aid. Now, I guess I've uh, got to go around, Robin, and introduce everybody. Rasheem, go for it. What's going on, everybody? Rasheem. Uh, Southeast DC, originally from Wyo. Um, I'm not drinking my um, standard Uncle Nearest. It's I got you, brother, brother. I got right you. here, but I'm not drinking it. Cage got it tonight. I got a, a green smoothie. I'm going healthy. What is what is in the smoothie? We'll talk about that later. Ox. We're gonna talk about that later. Yeah. What's going on, y'all? Ox, tired, eating orange. Just came from the gym. Got my little water. We're gonna keep it moving. What up, Keltrick? KG, Texas, it's hot. COVID is hot down here. Let's get it. I'm gonna be, well, I'm gonna be drinking off real quick. I'm drinking off some Uncle Nears. This is the 1856. It's very smooth. My first, I just opened it. I'm gonna be, I might try to chomp on some M&Ms on mute on the love. I'm a little hungry, but. Mm. Yes, the premium. Yeah. Cheers. So wait a minute, are, are we cutting it? Do you? Is, is it just straight? You got a chaser? What's going on? No, I don't drink. I, everything I drink is straight. Oh, okay. I hear Most that. of the time I drink it neat, but I'm not drinking this neat. I, I, got a, I got a couple of rocks in here. Good choice. For sure. <laughs> Why man. you seem offended? I, I am, because ice unlocks the flavor in alcohol. Like you, you will know you have some trash alcohol if you just let some ice melt in it and then you drink it and it tastes like charcoal, trash. But if you got good alcohol, the ice will unlock the flavor and then you'll be able to taste it. Nah, nah. You, you don't want to mix your alcohol with anything at all. So either neat or on the rocks. But like I said mm. today, I'm doing green smoothie. Yeah, mm. he's right. I mean, I you know, you don't need to, if you have quality alcohol, you don't need to chop it up with nothing else. It's, just drink it. I'm glad y'all alcohol connoisseurs, because I don't give a damn. I drink anything. Straight. Chase. Chug it. Fuck it. I don't know about those things, because my little kidneys are virgins, so whatever. Interesting. Well, I mean, um, Straight No Chaser podcast. Back again. We are available on Anchor, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, um, wherever you consume podcasts, we out there. So we want to just jump all the way into it. Go ahead and get started. I mean, um, gentlemen, what do we think about Trump's little Juneteenth speech and that whole sham mockery of what happened last weekend? You know, is it a big deal? Is it not a big deal? Is it something that, was it a success? What do y'all think about that? The, the Juneteenth speech on Friday. 
for me, the most, the, the, uh, the, um, for me, the most important piece of that whole Juneteenth, Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, election kickoff rally was, was what the teenagers did. K-pop. The, the K-popers, TikTokers, even some grandmommers got out there and got tickets. Like, I had no, I had no idea. Yeah, I listened to the speech. The speech was, uh, well, I didn't listen to the whole speech. I listened to bits and pieces of the speech. It was the same thing that he always does. You know, same. You know, it's him. It is what it is. But I had no expectation. Like, I was, I was driving and, and I listened to CNN while I drive and they was talking about how there were a million ticket requests. And I was like, oh, I was like, there ain't no way there's a million ticket requests. It's like, yo, they said they got a million ticket requests. And they talked about how 40,000 people was going to show up, 20,000 was going to be inside, 20,000 was going to be outside, they were going to set up a separate stage outside. And I was sitting there like, man, this is a bad sign. They did set up a stage outside. but They did. They did. And they had to tear that bad boy down. Quick. But I was thinking that this is a bad sign. Like, yo, John may win that bet. Lo and behold, they said no more than a little over 6,200 people were actually inside. 60, it was like 62 or 64, whatever. It was over 6,000. 61 something. They, they rounded up to 6,200. 6,200 folks. All because the teenagers went out there and grabbed and copped them tickets. Mind blown. I had no idea whatsoever. Like, I was pranked because I was like, man, this is about to be, this is about to be Trump's coming of age party. Nope. Nope. Disappointed. He was. I wasn't. Yeah. So to answer your question, I listened to, he did, he went on for like an hour and 40 minutes. So there's no way I'm listening to him speak for an hour and 40 minutes. And it really wasn't like a speech. It was really more off the top of his head. Um, there was less crowd interaction from his prior speeches than this one. So he really tried to bring the crowd along and it really wasn't happening because it wasn't a lot of people there. I think that the turnout was, was, was expected. I don't believe I was having this conversation today. He doesn't really have a path to victory unless they suppress votes. Right. Like he lost the last election from a popularity standpoint. If they suppress votes, i.e. what's happened in Kentucky, closing the polls and what happened in, Atlanta or Georgia, that's his path to victory. So he's in the minority. He clearly is in the minority. He's definitely in the minority. Like he has, I'm not saying he doesn't have a following, but he's in the minority. More people want something different than him. Even, you know, the rank and file folks not really feeling him like that. So he had a tough night, man. You could look at the the flight when he got back home to 1600 Black Lives Matter as a boulevard. You know, uh, that little when he got back, you know, his collar with his little makeup was all jacked up. His tie was undone. He looked a little, looked a little sad. He had, his, his, sorry, he had his red hat in his hand. He was just. Yeah, you, you clearly know how to do feels. It's not like he has his feelings on his, you know, he lets you know. And clearly by his appearance, he was disheveled and upset. So. Mm-hmm. I know this ain't your thing too much, but you got something for this? 
I mean, I just listen to y'all. I pretty much, I don't care what Trump does. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, I know his point of view is always going to be something asinine and backwards and full of shit. You know, every now and then he might say something that's a little bit, oh, okay, a little eye-catching, but, oh, man, listen, Trump has no bearing on my life. That's not true. He has a significant bearing on your life. He just selected his two on the judge. Um, Federal judge. It's a significant influence on your life and everybody else's life. And these are lifetime appointments. Right. So, you know, you, you should care about everything this dude says and does because he is having a profound impact and not only your future, but your kid's future and my kid's future because these people are going to be around for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. He, he has shaped, like when people think about um, judge appointments by the president, they immediately think Supreme Court. Like, that's the only thing that matters. Like, there are lower district courts and superior courts that he's appointing. He, like you said, is 200th judge. Like, and they are the ones that are making decisions that's going to affect a lot of stuff. You know, so we got to pay. Because folks didn't like Hillary and folks didn't want to, you know, they was caught up in Bernie and folks had issues with other stuff. Now we got 200 judges and two Supreme Court judges. And potentially a third, because I don't know if Ruth Bader Ginsburg is going to make it. I mean, that's crazy. But the thing that I think that was funny, I could just imagine the lead up to the rally. Oh, he was crumb. Oh, yo, we're going to show him. We're going to show him. We got we got a million people. A million people want to be like, we. Gonna, oh, man, they're going to be up in there. Man, forget, forget coronavirus. Man, forget COVID. Oh, it's going to be on and popping. Got up in there. Horrible. Yeah. But you know what's what what the spin is now is they're spinning the the views online and Fox allegedly had the the highest grossing or watched program. So they're looking at they're try, at first they were talking about the million plus people that was supposed to you know had tickets how it was supposed to be this this raucous environment and now the spin is well we had a lot of viewership online. I mean I I watched it but I don't you know I'm not. A forty-five supporter, right? Any stretch of the imagination. I yeah. think that he kind of punked out a little bit. To be a hundred percent honest with you, I think that he should have had the um, courage of his convictions and stayed on Friday night, and then made a big, huge speech about race. I think that would have been really, really interesting. On Juneteenth in Tulsa, basically saying all lives matter, blue lives matter, talking to his base, getting them hyped up. He made he missed a very big opportunity, but nonetheless, we moving on with that. Who who, two, like, who the two black women again? Um, Diamond and Silk. They said they get they did the all lives, black lives, red lives, purple lives matter. They turned it into a whole little chant. Yeah, so people want to hear that. So you saying he should have just kept it on Juneteenth and did it then? I think he should have kept it on Juneteenth. I think he should have made reference to the history, but said that's the past. I mean, like you said, done his usual thing. Made his usual little stump speech, all lives matter, make America great again, yak, yak, yak. But on that night, in that arena, with that kind of everything that's going on, that would have been huge. Instead, he punked out, he took the Saturday, it, it kind of deflated all of the energy on both sides, and he, made, he just simply made an error. I'm sure if he could do that over again, he'd do it over. I don't, I don't agree with that. Obviously. I mean, just your logic. I mean, I don't know your logic behind your statement, but on the face value of it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
and from a standpoint of, I mean, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Let me, let me, let me put that out there. That's my, because he, he doesn't make these decisions. Like he doesn't look at the calendar and say, I want to make a, I want to do a, a rally on this day. That's, that's, he has, a, he has a team that does stuff like that. They pick the dates for him and tell him kind of where he thinks he needs to go. He follows, like he's the, he's the face. But I don't, I don't give him enough credit to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to actually, you know, pick Juneteenth to do a rally. I think once he became alerted to that situation, he's like, I mm -hmm. probably, that's probably not the best idea. He said all of those things. He didn't talk about race in his, in his conversation, but he did his typical spiel. I told you all a couple of weeks ago. Everything he says is, you can, I can do the speech. You can do the speech. Anybody, on this, anybody in, that, that listens to him one time can make all of his speeches. It is, it is, it is very redundant. He's always on about jobs, black unemployment. He'll talk about the economy. He's going to talk about law and order, uh, the military. And that's pretty much it. And then he'll crack a couple of jokes he called the Kung Flu. But he did that. That was racist, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think you can say stuff like that. He also spoke about the COVID, suppressing tests. I mean, he just, the dude is, he's, he's a broken record. So, yeah, but I actually, I, I agree with John on that, that he, he could have took advantage of that moment to and do something different. Like, that would have been powerful if on the 19th in Tulsa, he did a serious speech on race. That would have been, but of course, we talking about a giant carrot, so... Clearly, he wasn't going to do that. You give him away. You give him way too much credit. He's not that. Oh, I don't think no, he's no. that intelligent. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that he missed the mark of his own accord. Like, I, I'm not giving him credit. I'm just saying he could have took advantage of that time to do something important, but instead of doing that, he just said, "Eh, I'll do the speech tomorrow or the next day." So mm -hmm. I can say what I want to say mm -hmm. versus what really needed to be said at that time. That's all. See, okay. But when has he ever done that? Whoa, 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 whoa. No, he's whoa, never whoa. done it. That's outside. I'm, I'm not saying that he would do it. I'm not saying that it's likely he would do it. I'm just saying that that was an option that was there. And because he didn't take that option, that just, you know, that, 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 that further helps us know what type of man we, we got as president. Hmm. Okay. Go ahead, Neil. No, no, I was saying you was trying to say something. Go ahead. Two things. First of all, the logic is that his base is adamantly against Black Lives Matter, adamantly against um, reparations, uh, you know, all of the whole rigmarole that's going on right now. The people that are voting for him are adamantly against that. And they feel like they can't really express themselves like they want to anymore without you know, repercussions. For Trump to come in at Tulsa on Juneteenth, strongly say all lives matter, that's the kind of thing that electrifies your base. That is exactly what he should have done. And if you think that somebody can say, hey, Trump, don't do that. That's probably not a good idea. He's not that person. He's going to do whatever the hell he wants to do. He is the person that decides everything that's going on in there. Uh, Stephen Miller, who is his little talking worm or whatever, he might come up with some ideas write some speeches, but all that stuff comes from Trump, uh, or I should say maybe the energy, I should say, comes from Trump. Trump literally told his attorney general to go easy on Roger Stone with the sentencing, 
absolutely unheard of. I mean, we've heard of so many unheard of things that Trump does that we could spend the whole hour talking about nothing but that. All that to say that, yeah, if he would have done that, it would have been a major, it wouldn't have been a good speech from our perspective, but from his base, nobody on this call, nobody listening to this podcast is probably going to vote for Trump. However, there's millions, millions, the vast majority of white people in this country who are still the majority, by the way, are going to vote for Trump. They might tell y'all that they're not, but they are. And they want to hear that. They are afraid. You know, they don't like hearing Black Lives Matter. They, the, the idea of defunding the police makes white people's kidneys liquefy. That, that's not something that they want to talk about. So all that to say, that was, uh, that was a missed opportunity on Trump's part. I guarantee you that he wishes, man, you know, even if only 6,400 or whatever people showed up on that Friday, just simply him saying that in that arena, in that forum, would have been explosive. Nonetheless, it is what it is. And I guess that kind of feeds into our next topic. We got to touch on it, COVID. All right, so we've been doing this for how long? This is like our seventh, eighth week or however long we've been locked up. The reason that we're doing this is because we're all supposed to be on quarantine with COVID and so on and so forth. And everything's been opening up gradually the past couple weeks, except now. Suddenly the infection rate has gone sky high. Suddenly Texas is having all kinds of infections. Um, I read somewhere California's having a spike. Florida been spiking. Everywhere is spiking up. So now what? What do we do now? I mean, we've been telling people all the time that, you know, if you look at it, people aren't practicing social distancing. They're not wearing their masks like they should. Everybody was so amped out. Oh, I need to go get my nails done, my hair done. They wasn't considering, like, damn, do I really need to go out here? We, we haven't heard anything about any cures or anything. People just pretty much got cabin fever. They were like, I got to go out. I think at one time, John, you were saying it like, yo, I'm dying to go out. Nobody should restrict me and tell me what to do. Okay, nice. that's what happens. So now we might be on lockdown again even longer because mm -hmm. people are not taking the necessary precautions. Like, be honest, how many of y'all really see people practicing social distancing and going out to stores with the mask on? I do. No, no, I mean, as, as, as people should. Like, would you say 100% of the people that you see are wearing their masks, doing what they're supposed to do? Any, anytime I'm out in public and I walk into a building, like a store or a shop, because of where I am, 100% of the people are wearing masks or a bandana as a mask. But everyone's got a face covering on because at the very least in DC, it has been mandated. You can't go in those buildings without having your face covered. So what I'm seeing even walking in the street, there's a, a, a lesser percentage of more like 80% of the people that I pass have masks on and they just walk in. But whoever doesn't have a mask on, they fling it out, they put it on their face, and then they walk into wherever they're walking into. If it's not their own crib, not, they're not their own home. I mean, I'm seeing to the extent where people are letting folk get in elevators and take the elevators up because they don't want to crowd the elevators. They I'll wait for the next one. So where I'm at, pe people are doing it. The six feet, like folk are looking back at you like, yo, you crowding me. Like, stand back there. Like, at least where I'm at. And that's why I got an issue with what's going on in Arizona and Texas. Like Texas, the dummy governor just told people that if you ain't got no place to go, not even if you don't have to, you should not have any place or you should just stay home. You just told people to stay home, 
but you won't put a stay-at-home order in place because of this idea that you're trying to protect the economy. I think it's stupid. The funny thing is, though, sometimes I guess you got to research the laws or the wording of things. Like down in Virginia, it'll say masks are required, but there's a certain part of the, the, the statute that they had. I wish I had it on me. So hypothetically, we go into a store. If you have asthma, they can't require you to wear a mask because you have a health condition. So you can't. So if you say, I have a health condition, I can't wear the mask, they can't question you about that shit, and they can't tell you to leave. Yeah, I need to see what that looks like, because you, you just hit me with a hypothetically off of a law that you don't even have in front of you, so I need to see what that looks like. No, but I'm still serious. But serious, if you have a health condition, nobody, and the mask is for the mask is too hot, or you can't breathe, they can't say, oh, well, sir, you have to wear the mask. I have a health condition. A bunch they don't of want a lawsuit. They don't want no issues with that. There are a bunch of people in D.C. that got asthma and they ain't got no issues wearing masks. Like, everyone you pass in the store has a mask on. Everybody. So, it ain't like that out here in Virginia. The it's issue really is not... It's, it's really... Um, it's a segregated response. So, again, Texas. I live in Texas. Texas is literally the wild, wild west. Arizona, the wild, wild west. Florida, wild, wild south. I mean, it's, it's, it's really by location. D.C. is a very strict area. Texas is, they're not going to shut Texas down again. I mean, it's, the hospitals in Houston are at 97% ICU capacity right now. They've converted the children's hospital to support some of the COVID patients or just patients in general to, you know, that are ill. The, the hospital is going to be over, over, overwhelmed in Texas you know, fairly soon. We still haven't really seen the wave of the protests. Like that that group is ready, it's kind of happening right now, but we haven't really seen in mass those folks kind of show up in hospitals from the protests a few weeks ago. So it's wild in Texas. I think Florida just had 5,000 new cases yesterday. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna shut down again. Um, we're gonna keep going forward. And the, the responsibility is going to be left on local jurisdictions or governors if they stand in the way. Because in Texas, he got in the way of local jurisdictions trying to implement certain rules, like to your point, Neil, you know, everyone having to wear a mask. They actually arrested somebody and fined somebody in Dallas. And the governor stepped in and said, free her, release her, and did an order that prohibited any any local jurisdiction from implementing any of those types of rules. So, you know, Abbott is is He's an interesting fellow. And then his lieutenant governor, who said he'd rather die, there's, there's things worse than living, or something like that, he said that was ridiculous. Dan Patrick is his name, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Look him up. He's a, he's a, he's a wild cat. So, listen, just be safe. I wear my mask everywhere I go. I, I play golf on Father's Day. I wore a mask the whole time. Why you do that? Wasted your time completely. I had a great time. Played one of my best rounds. Which is what, an 80-something? Don't worry about what I hear. <laughs> all right. So I've been out and about this whole time. And all I've said this whole time is that everybody's got to take their individual responsibility. So 100% agree with you. It is sad. The powers that be are basically deciding people going to die, people going to get sick. And the sad fact of the matter is that the vast majority of those people are Black people. But we got to do what we got to do. You, you said that um that it's individual responsibility bam and then you said the powers that be have made the decision that people are gonna die correct get 
Go ahead. Yeah. I, I just, I, I see those as two separate things. If it's individual responsibility, that means as an individual, I need to be responsible enough to wear a mask and not leave the crib. If I don't have to leave the crib, I need to be responsible. And if I don't do that and the, the numbers go up, how is it that the powers that be have decided that I'm going to die? Isn't it that yeah. as the, 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 the irresponsible individual, my actions are now contributing to the uptick in numbers and now people are going to die? There's a difference in macro and micro. On a micro level, you have responsibility to yourself, your family, your community, blase skippy, to wear the mask and to do the this and to do the that. Got to do all those things. Yeah. On a macro level, the governors, the presidents, the senators, the powers that be have responsibilities, have to make certain decisions. And the bottom line is, just like in various other places of the world, people need income, people need the ability to put food on the table and so on and so forth. And to the extent that there's, uh, you know, something to be given here, they're like, we're going, we want to save everybody that we can, but at the same time, we can't run the economy into the ground. So you, Rashim, Keltrick, Neil, John, y'all have to do what you feel is best. I am seeing somebody right now and um, her, she lives with her mother and her mother has underlying health issues. So she has been practicing very strict, um, what's the word, you know, quarantining. Yeah. So not going, I mean, physical leaving the house. So going to the grocery store across the street was a no-no. You know what I mean? Anything. That's her decision. She's got to do that. That's her personal responsibility. Have Me, you seen her since the quarantine started? Have I seen her? Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like what, FaceTime or something? Like physically seen her. I mean, yes, like recently she has been, she's ventured outside the house, but I mean, ventured outside the house and like walked around her house. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what she's comfortable with. That's all she's willing to do. And even then, she had on a mask. I had on a mask. We had to be six feet away from each other the whole nine because she is like, if anything remotely possible, you know, I got it and I gave it to my, my parent. You know, I would never forgive myself. I totally get that. She's got, uh, you know, I get why people got to do you the things. Agree with that it, though. I, don't, I, don't, I get the impression from what your, your questions and what you stated in the past that you don't agree that people should wear masks. No, I've never said that. I didn't say you said it's that. Amazing what people, people hear what they want to hear, and you could be like A, B, C, and they say, you said X, Y, Z. No, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't say you said that. I said okay. the impression that I get from what you stated in the past leads me to think that you don't think people should wear masks. So I'm asking you, do you mm -hmm. think people should? I am saying that people should take responsibility for themselves. So me, I wear masks. I wear a mask, I wear gloves. Um, unfortunately, I have no choice. I have to take one of my children with me to work. Let's play, so let's play a little game real quick. Okay. Round Robin, if you were the governor of your state, Mm -hmm. Would you make it mandatory for everyone to wear a mask in order for us to have a working economy? Yes or no? No. No. You wouldn't make it mandatory. You would either, Neil. This is America, baby. Not you mandatory. Make, listen, if you don't wear your mask, 
you are helping to spread COVID. Let me say that clearly, unequivocally, okay? No question. If you don't wear gloves, if you don't take the precautions, you're helping to spread COVID. So but I cannot tell you, Rasheen, grown-ass man, you've got to wear a mask. Hold on now, a second. The government tells me I need to have a license in order to drive a car. Right. The government tells me I need to have insurance in order to have that car on the street. You also got to wear a seatbelt, too. The government, the government tells me I need to wear a seatbelt. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the government can't tell me to wear a mask? Oh, oh. You, let me wait till you're done. I'm done. Because in order for you to walk down the street, you don't have to get no 7,000 pound vehicle, do you? In order for you to go into the grocery store, you just got to walk your way in there. Now, if the owner of that grocery store says, whoa, sir, this is my grocery store, you can't come in here without a mask on. That's between you, proprietor, and that customer. Me, as the elected official, I cannot say, do this. this I've decided that this is the best route for your behavior. I can stress it. I can beg you, I can plead with you, but I cannot make you do anything. We, this ain't Russia, baby. This ain't China. This is America. Have, no, no, no. You're picking and choosing what the government can make you do. No, you are picking and choosing what no, the government no, can make you do. It's, no, can't make me do a damn thing. They, they made you get a license to drive your car. Or I just don't drive the car. No, 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 but you do drive your car. But what I'm saying is, here is your choice. First, number one, driving a car can drive down the street and you don't know how to drive the car, you're gonna kill up a bunch of people. John, John, it's, over 120,000 people are dead. More than that? In, 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 a, in a three month time span. Mm -hmm. You're not seeing that type of death from, from car accidents. Right. So you got way more death because of this COVID thing. Terrible, yes. And, and your logic is we can't- My logic is- Again, what you asked is, you're the governor now. Are you going to mandate everyone wearing masks? Masks. Yeah. I say, no. Okay. I can't make you do that. I'm going to beg and plead with you to do it. I'm going to strongly urge you to do it. I'm not going to show up in public without my mask on. But I can't make you do it. If you want to go out there and run the higher risk of getting COVID, that's your responsibility, sir. Okay. Before I ask my question, Neil, what is your rationale behind this foolishness? No, nah, mine is just based off, literally off the health. The mask, if, okay, let me put it this way. Me personally, yes, I will wear the mask. Sometimes I forget things of that nature. Sometimes I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of wearing that shit and I don't want to wear it. But if I go into a store like John's scenario and they say, excuse me, sir, you need to have a mask. I'll comply, I'll go back and get my mask, but sometimes one, for me, it can be hot. Two, I go back to my medical condition thing. Yo, I've had asthma, thank God it's over. A hot ass mask over my face for an long period for the whole damn day, that shit can be uncomfortable. Now, maybe if you made a uh, better mask or whatever the case may be, I won't be so opposed to it. But they, I think Ra was saying there are people that have asthma, whatever. Some yeah. people really can't wear that mask over their face. That shit is hot all day long. So if you want to take it off, you want to put it down over your mouth, breathe a little bit, I'm not wearing that mask 24 hours. No, man. I'm it's, not, I'm just not. Yo, you don't even know that the mask is going to prevent anything. The mask is actually not protecting uh, you from other people, it's protecting other people from you. They so, have, they already, they, they got the research. You it, believe what they say? Look, you got to believe something in this world. You can't, you can't disbelieve everything you hear. True, but then can I ask a question then, Rock? Just, just to mess with you on this shortly. So what do you think about those people that's driving 
for like hours in their car and they still have the mask on in your own fucking car. Like some people then, take this to then, a whole nother level. Then what that, you got a mask on in your car for? Then that's stupid. That's on them. No, that's their responsibility. That's what that person has decided to do. That just goes back to what well, I was saying. No, the, the, no the, the, there's a method to this. You're wearing the mask if you are around people. If you are not around someone and it's just you and your car, that doesn't do anything. You don't have to wear it if it's just you and your car. Again, what happens if you are walking through a crowd, you, you're walking out the grocery store, somebody has coughed and they put a little COVID on you. And now you get into your car, you take your mask off. Oh, oh damn, you got COVID in your lungs. That's what I'm saying, man. You can't just pick and choose what you're going to do and where you're going to do it. Everybody's got to make their own decision for themselves. Go ahead, Keltry. All right, I didn't, I didn't hear y'all rationale. My question to both of you two at the bottom on my screen, at least, is let's say you are the governor and the, and the president tells you you have to enforce everybody wearing a mask. Do you support that direction? What on earth? Do, do you hear what y'all just said? That's amazing to me. I'm going to repeat your question, Keltry, because I might have misunderstood it. You said, I'm the hypothetical governor and the president has mandated that I enforce everyone wearing a mask. And y'all are okay with that. Whoa, 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 he asked you. Oh, no, 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 I would never do no such thing. I would never do no I would take great joy in telling the president to kiss my ass on that one. No, I'm not doing that. Who gonna do it, the police? All of a sudden, blue lives matter in a major way. I don't think so. Yes, Rob. I'm a dictator then. We know. If that's the case, yeah. if that's the case, I like I, I would rather say you all are gonna wear a mask. If you're caught without it, you'll be fined. I'd rather that than five to seven thousand people in a day contracting coronavirus because they just out willy-nilly. Now, I'm I'm gonna get some blowback from this, but by and large. Forget the people are sheep thing. Forget that. By and large, people are stupid. Like, you you know that there's this thing out there. And you just choose to just touch everything, touch your face, not wear no mask. You, you choose to be out and about. and part, Like, you're, you're making choices knowing what's out there. So either you know and you just don't care, which is one level of stupidity, or you just don't know, even though it's been put out in front of you when you, you choose to, to not. Believe. That's another level of stupidity. So people are dumb. And I'm sorry. So, yes, I'd be like, everybody, you can hate me later while you're alive. Like I, one woman was quoted saying, you don't like to wear a, a mask. Tell me how a ventilator is going to feel. You ain't going to like wearing that. Or stay home. But then, like how you said, I, I, I agree with you with the aspect about when you said if you're around people. But if we're going with your whole mandated governor scenario, what if I'm just going for a walk with my dog? I'm out in the air. I'm not around people. I don't you, want a fucking mask. You, you don't wear them. See, that just tells me you ain't been listening. No, but no, no. I'm going with what you said about no, 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 mandating. No, no. Mandating is like everybody got to fucking wear this mask. That's Neil, why I'm trying to say the Neil, shit is Neil, Neil, it's, it's situational. You wear okay. the mask when I got you. you're in people and you cannot be socially distant. If you are outside by yourself, 
with your dog and no one around you, you do not yeah. wear a damn mask. You don't. Okay, thank you. So I'm gonna change my to yes, Keltrick. I will go ahead and mandate. If you're around <laughs> people, yes. But I see some people that be so tripped out, like like we said, like you said, it's completely stupid. You're driving in your own fucking car. Why do you have a mask on? And, you're walking and, down the block by yourself. I, you got I, a mask I'll on. give you a scenario of why somebody may wear a mask in the car. So I played golf again, again, I played golf on Father's Day and I went with somebody and they rode in my car. I wore a mask the entire time I was around them. When I dropped that person off at their home, I still wore my mask. I got some wipes. I wiped down everything that they was on, everything they touched in my car, the whole shebang. And I was like, I'm not doing anything in this car without this mask on until I sanitize it to my standards. That may be why people wear a mask in the car. My perspective is you're grown. You must take responsibility for yourself. If you decide to wear your mask, do so. Like, if you want to be like KG, be strongly adhering to it, God bless you. You want to be like Neil and you're like, hey, I'm just walking down the street minding my business and I don't see nobody in a block radius. I don't want my mask on. Okay, that's your business. What we have got to be worried about and concerned with and trying to fix is um, what are we going to do in the fall? Uh, when children are expected to go back to school and adults are going to have to go back to work and every, and the teachers is going to be in a room with 20 damn coughing and hacking kids and all 20 of them going to wear masks. Classrooms, don't have, classrooms aren't 20 sizes no more. Or whatever, 15, what, whatever. My point is it's a whole rack of children in a closed building and an adult somewhere and I'm assuming all 15, 20 people going to have on a mask or whatever. There's, we have got to figure out how this is going to be resolved. And based on my very faulty information, only thing that can happen is people going to get sick. The herd immunity thing is going to have to take place. The immunizations is going to have to take place. Let me listen. Let's one more, one more little hypothetical, and then we're going to have to move on, I guess. But let's say the vaccine comes out tomorrow. Trump makes an announcement. We got the vaccine, baby. We're ready to go. Everybody line up. Let's get the vaccine. I'm mandating you got to go get the vaccine. Y'all going to go get the vaccine? You, they, I, don't, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to mandate a vaccine. Oh, but we can't back. But now what they, they may, they may mandate it for school purposes in order to go to school, like measles, mumps, rubella. Already. Yep. So, so we're already doing man, mandatory vaccinations. What I would probably do is wait for that first round of vaccines to go through. Because what happens is when they are doing vaccine testing, when they're creating a vaccine and they're experimenting on stuff, they got the little control groups all over the place. When they, when they feel like they got a vaccine that works, before they got to the end of the test, they're like, yo, this is, your people are really responding to this. This is good. This is good right here. And before they know what all the side effects are, they mass produce that vaccine so that if it's working, they give it to the people and they just give it to them. And then what they do is they start to tweak it when they start to see what the side effects are to come out with a, a more effective mm -hmm. vaccine. So I'll probably wait for the post tweak, but right. I, I, yeah, I, I, just like I had no problems doing measles, mumps, rubella. I, it's, it's the same thing. I probably just wait till they got a better form of it. Um, to, to a point that, 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 that was brought up earlier, like, John, you, you, you don't want to mandate it because you, you're giving people a lot of credit that they'll do the right thing. You know, 
um, I don't give people that credit that they're going to do the right thing. The pro especially now, because I think the timing was off. Everyone shut down in, in, in like a big wave. Everyone shut down within a period of time and had their stay at home order in response to what was going on in Seattle, in that Washington State area, and in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. In the NBA. It, the NBA w w was an effect, but in terms of the thousands of people who were getting sick and dying. So when they said, you gotta stay at home and everyone else was like, oh, it's here, we need to stay at home. Now, what I probably would have done is left my whole thing open. And then once we started to see some infections in my state, then I would have hit a shutdown. I wouldn't have shut down until I started seeing infections. So now we shut down before, like Texas shut down before the infections still started to roll in. Florida shut down before the infections started to roll in. You know what I'm saying? Arizona shut down before the infections started to roll in. Now that the infections are rolling in and now we're open, no one wants to shut down again. No one wants to be responsible for shutting it down. So they leave it up to the human being. Be responsible. No, that's not, that's not, I hear what you're saying. Just to provide some, some clarity on that. The governor never shut down Texas until after local jurisdictions did it first. And but they, they did it. They I'm did talking, it. I'm talking about timeline though. I'm not talking about necessarily who, but just the timeline. They shut it down because there were infections. It just wasn't the numbers that you saw in Seattle and New York specifically. There was always numbers in Texas. The issue in Texas, however, was there's never been a lot of tests. If you look at the number of tests per capita in Texas, they do like 50,000 for every million people. Like it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think, I mean, we just did like a, we haven't even a 15, 1.5 million tests, I don't believe in Texas yet. And Texas is the, the third largest state in the country. So populated state in the country. So testing is, is still lackluster in Texas. What also was happening in Texas is when they did shut things down, the governor finally did agree to it. He was always pushing to say like, all right, we never reached any level of capacity, near capacity in Texas. A few weeks ago, he was talking and touting how the, 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 health, the healthcare system in Texas could survive any COVID rush in Texas. He didn't see this coming. So now he's backtracking like a mug on his wheelchair because I'm, no, no, no shade, he can't walk. But, you know, he's rolling backwards all his thoughts and talks around, stop it, John, stop it. Stop it. He's, he's really walking it back a lot. So it's, it's, uh, it's really it's sad in Houston. Houston is really like the, the hotbed of all the activity. Um, you see it spiking in other areas. Dallas mm -hmm. is not as bad as Houston. But, I mean, we'll see. Florida is really bad. Up. It's messed up, man. And uh, I'm originally from the Houston area. So uh, I've got a whole lot of family members that's down in Houston. Um, a lot of people that work for, you know, the medical center and stuff like that. It's a very scary time. Um, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, what the future holds or whatever the case is. And I think this is becoming like the new normal. So people are going to start walking around, Neil, to what you were saying, in masks all the time. You know what I'm saying? And that makes me want to go devise a very colorful, uh, you know, color coordinated mask so that I can put that out on Instagram and get paid because this is about to be the new normal and how we always get down. But, you know, kind of let me ask y'all this to try to tie this to all together. So, you know, we're all family men, dad kind of people now. Um, what would you do if you have become infected? God forbid you got COVID. 
how, what would you do with your family? What would you do with yourself? Like, how would you handle that? In my personal situation, I uh, have split custody of my two children with my ex-wife. They would conceivably able, conceivably be able to live with her um, for whatever amount of time, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? That's the kind of stuff that you probably need to, I'm, st I'm the kind of person I like to work out, you know, general plans in case something happens. And I was like, yo, what happens if I get COVID? What do I do? You know what I'm saying? I mean, would do? Where would you even live? Where would you go? I mean, for me, I'm kind of in your boat, John. I'm, I'm still cool with, with my ex. So, I mean, pretty much my girls would have to, I was going to say unfortunately, but it's not unfortunate. For that health-wise, for that quarantine time, they would just stay with their mother and I'd have to do the proper precautions to make sure that I'm better because I'm damn sure I'm not trying to infect my, my children, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to if there was such a situation presented to me, the girls could go with somebody, you know, they'd have places to stay. Mm. But I already, you know, like, I mean, it's a real issue. I mean, I'm, I'm being an asshole about the thing and the whole mass situation, but this is a real, real serious issue. But I know for some people, I don't know, every, all our perspectives are different, but the thought of wearing that mask, because I think I spoke to Keldrick this week, and he said, you know, he said he don't play no games. He wear the mask all the time it can be annoying, you know, like I hear Rob saying, be responsible, do the right thing, but that shit can be annoying wearing that mask 24 seven. But I get it, if I'm around people, I'm in closed quarters, I'm in the supermarket, I'm in wherever I'm going, you know, I, I will grab my mask, but you know, after a while, this just gets tiring. You're like, Damn, can this shit ever be over? But to quote Rob's point, it's not gonna be over if I'm not being responsible about it, but just sometimes it gets frustrating. It could be over permanently. You think COVID could completely be? No, it can kill you is what I'm talking about. So, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know At the end of the day, man, you talk about a lot of things, but the word I would summarize with this is just responsibility. And you have to be responsible for yourself and others. There's a mutual level of responsibility. So I'm, I'm, I don't, I wear the mask for me and I wear for everybody that's around me. And to answer your question, if, if I got sick, I would go into the guest room and I would stay there for, for 14 days and quarantine myself and hopefully, hopefully be well enough where I don't have it and I'm, I'm infecting anybody that's around me. And you know what though? And now I'm thinking about it for being in the teaching game for so long, for 20 years. When I heard Ra's statement, I don't want to misquote you, but yes, you don't have faith in people like that. That is kind of true, because if you think about it, me being a teacher anyway, how many times when classrooms were 20, 30 deep, I'd have like four kids that are sick, mm -hmm. asinine, sneezing, snot nose sick, and your parents still send you to school anyway. Or there'd be two kids with pink eye, plain as day pink eye, and you come to school and it's like, why are you in school? My mama sent me to school. Yo ass got pink eye. And the kid will say, I know. Why the hell are you still in school? So I could, I could see your point, Ron, on that, where you say, you know, having faith in people to do the right thing is like, eh, yeah. there's I no way in hell you should be coming to school. Yeah. I don't. The scenario, I'm, I agree with, there are a number of people that aren't that intelligent. However, the kids you teach, Neil, I mean, it's true. The kids you teach come from a different environment. I mean, I know, I know the environment that you, the kids that you, that you teach is not like it's any 
they're not affluent. So I got to give people the benefit. I don't know if people know what pink eye look like. The kid may, the kid may do their little Google research and some people may, may not know. And then on the, on the flip side too, some people can't afford to take out work. Now there are lazy parents who just don't want to deal with their kids, but i.e. like in the, in the Central Park Five, that dude couldn't get off of work to come help support his son. And if he did, he was going to lose his job and then his son ultimately ended up going to prison and he regretted all of those types of decisions. So that's a stretch from a parallel, but you understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to sit there thing and condemn them for doing that. It's not the best situation, but you know, some people just don't have, don't come from the environment where they can make those decisions and say, you know what, stay at home because you're sick. Even at work, when we go to work, when we sick, we used to at least, my job is like right now, you better stay <laughs> at the crib if you don't feel well. I've always been like that, especially when I became um, uh, uh, in, in the leadership position. You tell me you're not feeling well. First thing I'm gonna tell you is to stay home, and that was before COVID, because I, you know, I understand even a cold could get passed around, flu can get passed around. Nobody wants that. So you know, I don't, I don't believe in that. You know, you got to work yourself to death. Uh, you got to be moving extra hard, hustling, hustling, hustling. Uh, so, you know, sleep is for the week. You know, no days off. No, sit your behind down, get some rest, eat some food, come back when you're better. So when you worked at Howard, you didn't go to work sick? At Howard? I said when I was in leadership position. I wasn't in leadership <laughs> position at Howard. Okay. Howard okay. wasn't trying to put me in a leadership position. All right. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. But what, what, all of us, well, we're all in leadership positions now, so that's different. But I'm saying in general, you, we know what the workforce used to be like pre-COVID. You get your behind out there and you work through whatever you got going on. It, but that's why it's important to have leaders in positions um, in, in this new age that, that recognizes that in order for you to have a good team, you can't work them to death. Like, I, I've stopped people and I was like, hey, yo, you, you haven't taken no days off yet. Like, and I'm throwing more on you. You need to take some time just, just to breathe. But you're one of the few, Rob. I mean, well, I'll oh. say we're, we're one of the few that have that sensibility and that compassion to be like, Look, I see you, you're not feeling well. Take your ass home. Think about how many times, you know, prior in our previous work experiences where it's just like, yo, we were sick as a dog. But we knew we had that asinine boss or whatever, and we still went to work anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we were like, damn, I really don't want to be here. I don't even really feel good. But we knew we was going to hear some sort of backlash or get that shit if we didn't go to work. Yeah, and well, that's, that's a black thing too, though. I think as black men, black women, black people, you don't want to be seen as the lazy person. So I think a lot of a lot of the pushing through was because of that. Like, if you want to get ahead, you kind of want to be, you know, everybody heard this story, you got to be two times as better, you know, all this other stuff, you got to be early, you know, all that. Everybody knows those things. I've heard those things. So I think a lot of that would you kind of push through, don't show weakness, all of those, you know, conceptions. Yeah, but those conceptions ain't really for the benefit of what they're doing. I think that for them, it's more about um, vanity. Like they, like you said, they don't want to be viewed as the weak person. That's that's vanity, because um, because your productivity is going to be piss poor if you're going to come in sick. I mean, your body's going not, you know, your body's not going to allow you to work to your your, your best. You just can't. You know what I'm saying? Your head, your, it's going to hurt. You're, you're going to have chills. You're going to have body aches. You're going to be lethargic. You're going to be slower. And and while you're doing all of that, you're putting other people at risk. To have to go through what you're going through like for me that's just selfish 
But you also work in the office environment too, so the conditions are very different. I haven't taken a sick day personally for myself. I can't even remember the last sick day I've taken. Now I have taken a sick day, but like it's for my children. If they sick, I have no choice. I got to stay home. But if I'm sick, y'all's ass is going to school and I'm going to work. Now, if I'm like comatose, I'm feverish, I'm snotty, and all this other good stuff, that might be a little different. I can't even remember the last time that's happened. I'm sure it has happened, but I can't remember it. But as far as like, yo, I just don't feel good. Well, I'm coming down with something. I'm going to take some medication. I'm going to take some Theraflu. I got to do what I got to do. But then I think, I don't know whether it was Keltrick or Rod that brought that up. That's a good point. Pre-COVID, before this, let's say COVID wasn't here, how many of us really did practice self-care in our grown adult life? You know what I'm saying? Like, you put in, you put in, I don't know, I don't know, I think somebody said nine days or you've been working on a project for a month and you're like, look, I really need two days off. Yeah, I'm going to put this in. Practice yeah. that self-care for yourself. Go ahead, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how it works for you because you're, you're a teacher, all right? And, and, and you get summers if you're not doing summer school, but during the school year, I don't know how it works for you. We get days. Oh, you get you get twelve. Okay, days so so I I accrue time mm-hmm. off every pay period. It's called annual leave. I can use that for vacation. I also accrue sick leave. Every pay period, they add more. And the longer you've been at the job, the more leave you accrue with every pay period. You work for that. And certain jobs will jobs will pay you that when you leave because it's yours. You earned it. By so for me. It makes no sense for me to accrue 100 hours of vacation time and not take no vacation. For me, that is stupid. Like, right. I, I earn that vacation just as much as I earn the money that they put in my, my bank account every two weeks. So yeah. I am looking for time on my calendar where I could be like, I'm not going to work. 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 And some people don't want to leave because they feel like, yo, I do so much. They're not going to be able to do this without me. Da, da, da. I got a Mack truck rule. My Mack truck rule is if I walk out this house and get hit by a Mack truck right now and die, you won't figure that shit out. I don't need to be around. If, 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 I'm, in the, if I'm in the ground, they'll, they'll fire, hire someone else. Mm-hmm. And they, they existed before me. They're going to exist after me. So I'm not going to let them work me to death. You know what I'm saying? I'm taking my time off. I had a coworker that, oh, my bad, Kelsey, go ahead. So I agree with Ryan 100%. Every, I've been very fortunate where a lot of my leaders have been, they, they really encourage you to take your, your time off. And we get PTO. So when you start, when you started working at, our, at my company, you get time off. And I've been there for a long time. So I got like essentially like a month and a half of, of vacation time that I can use. Um, Is there a cap on yours? I know some jobs have use or lose. Is there a cap? Like if you got 300 hours, you got to use it or you lose it? Or it's just like that. And I, I use it every year. I mean, every, at the beginning of the year, you always, you know, you get more after your, you know, certain milestones. But I plan my PTO. I take it all. I exhaust every last bit of it. I don't, I don't miss a beat. And I tell my team, you need to do the same thing. Because to Rob's point, they will figure that out. I'll figure it out. If somebody, like when people leave the job, like people quit all the time. The show don't stop. Next man up, next woman up. You got to figure that out. And the crazy thing is, Keldrick, I got a boss that kind of, well, I had a boss that kind of reminded me of you and Rob about the self-care because I was on that worker mule stuff. And every time my birthday came, like I'm 48 now, I think the first time I ever took off for my birthday was when I was 45. I had a coworker like, dude, 
we celebrate people that ain't really done shit for us and it's a national holiday. Celebrate your birthday like that. I would work on my birthday because I'd be like, what the hell am I really going to do? Yeah. And I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? And I started doing like Ross said. Every day I would plan it out every year. My birthday, I'm off. I'm off. I'm off. But some people are just so conditioned like that. They become work mules. It's like work, work, work to like you said, Rod, that whole bullshit. You know, I'm asleep when I die and hustle it. I think it sets a bad president though. Presidents though too, Neil. Like if, if as a leader, right? If my team sees I never take time off, then it, it encourages them to think like I shouldn't take time off. I think as a leader, part of being a leader is setting the right example. To Rod's point, so I take my PT. I tell them I'm I'm taking PTO. I take long weekends. I do sometimes in the middle of the week. Whatever time I want to take off, I'm out. And ain't nobody, there's nobody in my company's like, you know, you shouldn't take PTO. I've, I've never heard you can't take PTO. Never heard that. Well, they will never tell you that. But in vast, in a whole lot of cases, uh, that is the kind of thing in, in my area. I think that I might be, I wouldn't say I'm more corporate, but I think it might be like more corporate. This is a very old boy, uh, conservative industry. I work in petroleum. And yeah, if you, can you take your paid time off? Absolutely. Can you take your vacation? Absolutely. I have people asking me about my summer vacation in January. They want to get it all on the calendar. I don't know what I'm doing next week, much less eight months from now. So I don't know. But there is definitely a negative in my industry when you are off or you are not available or you can't do something. If you can't come with an answer now, they don't, don't nobody want to hear that you sick or that you are on vacation. You're on vacation, answer your damn phone. I remember when you came out of Dallas, that was the same thing. You was like handling work business. I was like, what? Don't they know you're not in town or something? I was like, man, when I listen, my, my boss knows when I'm on vacation, I cut my notifications off. My phone is don't call. If you call me, you get the voicemail. Like, I'm out. I'm, I'm unavailable. I'm unavailable. And it's not yep. just vacation time for me, it's once five o'clock hits. Once mm -hmm. five o'clock hits, if you email me, I'm not looking at it until the next day. If you wow. text me, I will look at the preview and you better say it's an emergency. Because if you don't say that in it like first up, then I won't even open the text. And I tell I tell my team the same thing. I'm not emailing you after five. I'm mm -hmm. not calling you after five. Like you're getting paid from from, from eight to five. You put in that work. Anything, there's a point in time where, where you step out the door and your job ends and your life begins. You got, like, I got other stuff I do. You know what I'm saying? I, if I'm doing this with y'all, you know, I'm not picking up my phone to look at emails and answer emails for work. I'm not doing that. I think that's just disrespectful. Now, then, John, you in a different industry, apparently. Um, and, and I don't know if, if you tried it, whether or not you'd get away with it. Or I don't know if you're projecting that they'll look at you like you, you know, Week and and not getting the work done. I don't know if that's something you're projecting, but I would urge you to try that at the very least. You know, set boundaries and be like, "Hey, it's the weekend. I'm not working." I mean, these. I, I think that I might just be wired different. Clearly, internet, but um, that is not a prereq for me. I don't. I don't need those types of things. Um, I'm perfectly comfortable answering sales and emails and all that other good. If I felt like, yo, I need this time. If there's anything involved, like I need to take this time for my children or whatever the case might be. How do you, how do, how, how do you know you don't need it unless you try it and see how it feels? I've been, I'm about to turn 44 in August. I've had a job since I was like 15. 
I have never needed the, I'm not that kind of person where I'm like, um, I need to take a break from this job. Have you ever tried it though? Of course. No, no, no. You say you take breaks and take time off when you got to do stuff with the kids. Have right. you ever taken time off and not done anything with work just so Absolutely. you can sit at the crib and, 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 and enjoy the things you like to enjoy? For example, like I said, I get roughly, let's say about three weeks of annual vacation every year. Um, one of those weeks, I spend it all with my kids. One of the weeks, I spend it by myself totally. Do y'all know what I do during my week of vacation? Not a goddamn thing. I'm sitting around. Yes. Um, that to me is um, stressful. That to me is like I. It, it, it's not. It's not a good thing for me. Um, but that's just like I said. That's just me. I feel like water really finds its own level, and everybody kind of gets to where they need to go in life. And that's something that, like, as my as I get older, I've really experienced. I had to go through a whole lot of stuff to get here, but like, I'm pretty damn comfortable here. And it's just like, this is what works for me. I would feel very uncomfortable um, just being like, you know what, tomorrow, I don't feel too good. I'm sleepy, I'm whatever, I'm hungover. Eh, I'm not gonna go to work. It's not because the kids are sick or because I'm tired of the kids or whatever. I just, I'm just going to take a sick leave day. Eh, you know, I would just be like, yo, something is up, something's gonna fall apart. I got to call this person. Even my, my company might be like, hey, aren't you on vacation? I'd be like, yes, absolutely. But here's this email. Send. So, but that's just how that goes. That's on you. It is. I will 100% say that. I have no question so, about that. So, you, you, so you'll never take, forget vacation and sick. You will never take a mental health day, huh? Um, you don't even know what that is, do you? <laughs> I know exactly what it is. And I have... It's an opinion about I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of the best, most political. Let it say it. Let it ride. Straight no chaser, as you tell All me. Right, say how you feel, baby. I stay think that's some soft-ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's some soft-ass shit. I mean, you know, God bless you. Everybody has got to do what they got to do. You know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, I need a mental health day. Okay, you know, knock yourself out. Um, and again, I all of y'all take mental health days literally Everybody that I talk to take mental health days. I'm not saying that you're weak. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying if you know what you need to do for you, then do it. For me, I would wake up in the morning and be like, on days when I am anxious or I feel anxiety or I'm depressed or I'm whatever. You know what really makes me feel better? Making money. So I'm about to dive in and really, really, really be like, yo, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm whatever, I'm feeling mentally. What can I do? to get out of this, let's get paid. So John, let me ask you a question. I mean, I understand your point of view and I'm just messing with you. So if you were like, where, where does the limit of self, well, you said you already do self care, but if you had a, if you were a boss and a coworker of yours or employee or said, uh, Mr. Cook, I really want to try to leave early to catch my mm -hmm. son's graduation, Beautiful. but you needed him for some shit. Is that right. excusable? Or you're like, nah, do this shit first or whatever. Because there are people like that. They have missed birthdays, graduations, anniversaries. I think that's a little bit crazy, but I understand the industry. What would you do? I mean, I have been in that situation um, on both ends. For me personally, I try to get an idea of what everybody's got going on. But, you know, emergencies happen. Something happened. My mama got sick. I got to leave right now. That is what it is. But in my mind, in the back of my head, I'm going to be like, okay, this happened. But then let's say it happens again in another few months. 
I didn't forget that first time. Now I can't really trust you because I really need for this to happen. And now instead of you being able to do it, your mama got sick, your daddy got sick, this happened and that happened. I hear it. I understand it. Nonetheless, as y'all keep saying, this show got to go on. And now instead of you doing your job, I got to find somebody else to do your job. What the hell is you here for? Why don't you go take care of your family responsibilities? Hmm. Let me find somebody that can do this. I think that's a tough, that's a tough mentality because this is not, this is not a boy scout. I li I work in the petroleum industry, which is extremely competitive and uh, they will fire your ass and you will be I mean, out. I mean, I'll fire, I will fire somebody that works for me if they're not doing their job. I exactly. think that, I think that, I think it's a slippery slope that based on what you described, because things happen in people's lives 100%. and as a leader, the reason I'm a leader is because I can do the job that, that the people that work for me can. And if there, there may be times where I have to do that job sometimes. Mm -hmm. Something that I look forward to doing? No. I, mean, I don't think anybody wants to pick up more work, but you work on a team. There are times where people go above and beyond, and there are times where people probably got something going on and they can't really work to their capacity. And those, both of those are okay. At the end of the day, what I look at potentially, for the most part, is can this person, are they, is the juice worth the squeeze, right? And sometimes you give people a little bit more, you know, incentives, extras, or whatever. Like somebody's sick, go ahead and go home, man. Take, leave early today. Um, go spend some time with your family. You know, don't worry about X, Y, and Z. I think as a as a leader, you have the ability to make those decisions to make your work environment as palatable, as enjoyable, as the best experience you can for your associates. <laughs> See, but you said enjoyable. Ain't shit enjoyable about work to me. So if you look like I'm not the kind of person who needs to go and have fun at work. <laughs> I don't need to have fun. Like uh, when this whole, when all of this stuff started happening as far as um, the police brutality, uh, protests and everything like that, uh, we've been having Zoom calls and all the executives and everybody gets on the Zoom call. And when this first happened, it was like, hey, you know, we really want to talk about this. I'm the only black person in this little Zoom call. So they, everybody had their little spiel, we feel terrible, blah, 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 Skippy. And then they was like, does anybody have anything to say? And I could feel all the eyeballs on the Zoom call go right into me. I have zero desire to talk about any of that at work. None. Let's get back on these TPS reports. Let's get back on this monthly volume. This is what we came in for. Let's get this money. And other than that, unless you're talking about like really making a difference, um, you can tell me how many black people own gas stations. You can tell me how quickly I can, you know, transfer my little equity into getting my own gas station. But other than that, man, miss me with all of that, period. Yeah, but I, I think, and Ross said this before, you didn't even, I, I hear what you're saying, but you didn't even take that opportunity to say those types of things. Like this time, in this time in this world, that's the time to kind of bring up what you're talking about, in my opinion, in the right format, to say, I appreciate this conversation. This is what I think we can do in this company to push this envelope in this direction. How many minority owners do we have in, in gas? How many times can I get, how do, how do I get equity in the gas station? I know those answers. The answer is zero. They have no desire to put nobody in no position of power and authority in this industry whatsoever. They will do a lot of this and you can miss me with that. So I'm skipping over all that. I will take care of it. I'll do what I need to do. And that's just period. I have no desire need or what's anything that I do that is in that line will be completely separated from my job 100%. That's why I changed my name on this. So no, I, I, I see what you're saying. So, but like, 
I don't want to misquote Keltrick, but to his point, so if you're a Zoom conference call and you being the only black, they open it up. Let's say, quote, unquote, they're trying to see how they can build race relations or improve minority, whatever. You don't think your point of view would have any bearing on it at all? None. What if it did, though? What if it made a difference? And I respect your point of view, but... It would not. I am on a fairly low rung of this company. I'm not on a day-to-day hourly wage scale or whatever the case is, but there's been plenty of things that um, I might have said in the past that people are just like, uh, you know, it is what it is, kind of just do what you need to do, blah, blah, blah. I think that right now we are in a time where people really want to make statements and they really want to have symbolic whatever, whatever, and I don't need that with my job. I don't need you to kiss my ass. I don't need no kind of like, you know, how do you feel, John, handshake, uh, text message, none of that. I don't need it. In fact, it feels duplicitous, and it feels like you're trying to manipulate me. I don't want it. So that's for me. I would have zero desire to talk about that kind of stuff in a work environment. It would really disturb. If you had never said nothing to me racially before, and somebody got killed by the police and you now decide you want to talk to me about it, kiss my ass. No, I have no desire to talk about that. Nonetheless, you know, that's how that goes. We all different and that's the way it is. But um, we've been on the call here for a minute. We never get a chance to really delve into like the relationship side, the emotional side of being a man. You know, I unfortunately, have my little issues or whatever with relationships. So I'm not really the guru with this, but Neil has so much to what are your say. Issues? What's up? What are your issues? With what, relationships? What did you say? You said you got issues. What are your issues? Neil. So <laughs> the, the guru of all things emotional and gooey. <laughs> what is going on? What is the topics? And what have you been hearing? No, well, a good question. I mean, I think back on my my days. We all lived together, and so you know, we pretty much know each other. But a, a question I've been hearing from a lot of sisters lately is, how do you build trust in a relationship? What are the components to build trust? You know what I mean? Like, if you're somebody that you're dating, John, let's say, you know, want to get into your, want to look at your phone. Is that a no-no? Like, don't touch. How do you build trust? How would you say you trust a female? What does she have to do? We got two married dudes who clearly know everything about trust in dating and women. Why don't y'all why don't y'all address that? I'm asking you, John. Don't throw it on them first. I'm asking you, how would John um, build trust? What defines trust for John? I don't build trust. I feel like I observe your actions. If you are a trustworthy person, then you are. Um, I'm the type of person, I think people throw around that T word, trust way too easily. They throw around that F word friend way too easily. You don't get to be my friend just because we know of each other on Facebook. We Facebook friends, but we ain't real friends. I just happen to know you. So um, I don't know how you build trust clearly because I don't trust that many people. (laughs) So uh, the best thing I would be able to say is like, if you are willing to do whatever you want to do or ask of me, if you are willing to do and answer those same things, then we can keep it 100 with each other, and that's all the trust I can ask for. But yeah, you ain't going in my phone. 
Uh, I'm not giving you my ATM code. I ain't got nothing to prove to you. You ain't got nothing to prove to me. Like, do you in totality, do you to the fullest, and I will get in where I fit in doing me. And if in some kind of way we can work in tandem and go in the same direction, then wonderful. If not, you go your separate way and I go mine, and that's still wonderful. Mm. Right, I don't coach. know what trust is. So, is there? How would you build trust in a relationship? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't build trust. I I don't want to be in a relationship with someone I gotta build trust with. For me, it's a um, it's a like I don't need to build trust. I'm building a relationship with somebody. Or maybe the trust. Maybe build is the wrong word. How they earn. How do you earn somebody? They don't have to earn trust. It doesn't have to be, there's nothing for me that has to be accrued over time. Like, mm-hmm. like if if I think that you're you're cool enough to build a relationship with, we're gonna do those things that that's that's relationshipable. You know, that's what we're gonna do. And in the process of of the back and forth, I'm gonna come to a um I'm gonna come to an understanding of the type type of person I'm with. And if if it looks like you're not that trustworthy, there's nothing that can be done for you to to, to earn that trust. So I'm not building it. If if you're not trustworthy, then I mean we we did we can do. We're not compatible. There's no need to to force it. Go separate. I, I believe that every relationship is meant to be a breakup. Period. Until you find the person you riding out with. Mm. Outside of that. It, it didn't work. You go separate ways. We've learned each other. I'll salute you when I see you in them streets. No harm, no foul. So no, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to build trust, earn trust. That's a you know for me. That's a um, that's a control tactic. You're ch- I'm, you've got to earn my trust. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> You're trying to be controlling. Almost caught, trust almost each other. Almost. We don't. And if we don't, bye. Would you say, John? Almost caught the Holy Ghost off that one because it's a lot of hypocrisy in these streets. It's a lot of duplicitous ass behavior in these streets where I'm not going to say women. I am going to say women. <laughs> women will be like, this is the behavior that I expect, but cannot meet that standard. And I'm going to just leave that there. So, yo, go ahead, KG. Mm. I mean, Ron and I come from the same cloth in that, in that regard. I'll trust everybody until I have a reason not to. At the end of the day, I come to people and, and feel like I'll trust them. Now, does that mean everything that we do or I share with them is like friend level? Nah, I think I think you, you meet people where they are. And there's sometimes, to Ross's point, the people that I've encountered, I'm like, you know what? I can't rock with that person. And I'm out. No harm, no foul. I'm wishing no ill will. They're, they're guys that I know that I, you know, I was cool with. I ain't cool with them no more. Again, no harm, no foul. I don't, I don't trust. I wouldn't trust them with my kids. Uh, kid, uh, be clear, everybody. Do got multiple kids, um, but I, I wouldn't trust it with, you know, with my kid or my family coming around my wife or my, you know, in my house. So I think, I think trust is an interesting thing. I don't. It's, it's, it's really a relationship. Whether or not you have a relationship that's equitable with somebody, or you feel like it's mutually beneficial then the trust is already there. You don't have to hide anything if you have a, a quality relationship. Now, if you have a questionable relationship, then the trust is not there anyway because they're already looking at you kind of like with the, what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're moving, they're questioning your behavior. And the way in the hell, that's trust. So, you know, 
either you got it or you don't. Hmm. Mm. I feel like what you're really asking is like respect. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you build respect between two people with all four of us? The thing, the reason that for me, I am so cool with y'all is because I've seen each one of you go through some real serious, tough, negative situation. And having seen many, many people go through negative situations, you just, you get a, a idea of really what somebody is made of when they face a problem or when they got a situation and how they respond to it. You know, everything ain't always going to be peaches and cream here. So sometimes you're going to have situations where you get fired and you get in a breakup or you get evicted or whatever stupid ass problem pops up and how that person handles it in the aftermath of it tells you a lot about that person. So I've seen each one of y'all in very difficult, very life altering situations where, you know, you kind of handled it and the way that you handled it said, I'm a stand up person regardless, you know what I'm saying? Regardless of whatever is happening. So it, I, I don't need, I, I'm trying to think of the right word to say like, uh, I trust y'all of course, but I also know like, yo, if something crazy was to go down, I have the utmost belief Rashim and Neil and Keltrick is going to kind of like be solid, stable ass dudes. You stand up dudes. Cause I've seen it. It's not something that you've told me. It's not something that somebody else told me. I've seen it. I've witnessed it over the course of time. And I mean, it just kind of is what it is. Mm. I was going to ask you actually, you know, what makes you trust us? Right. That's it. No, but I'm saying like when you was, when you was answering Neil's question, you was like, you're not, you don't really trust people. And I was going to ask the question, what makes you trust? I know you trust us. And I think the reality of it is you, you touched on a lot of things in your, in your, your response. I'll trust y'all because what we, what we've experienced, you know, what we, what we talk about, you know, what, what we share. I mean, there's some real, you know, bookmark moments that we've, we've experienced when we was young, when we got older at our weddings, mm -hmm. and, you know, the birth of our kids. I mean, it just, Divorces. Divorces. You said what? The divorces. divorces. Real talk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you know, there's there's not, there's there's nothing that I've experienced that I would rather be around other people with than y'all. Because y'all, I love y'all. I mean, I, I really do. Like mm -hmm. y'all my family. So there's nothing that that's mine that I wouldn't give to y'all. There's nothing that y'all need if I got it, you couldn't have. I mean, we've all been in low places and I think in those little places, we've all supported each other, whether it be financially, emotionally, physically, whatever. It's just like, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever you need, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's beyond family. That's like blood, you know what I mean? So it's... Um, Did we try to build that trust? No. no. There was nothing that any okay. one of us did differently. There, it's just who we are. So you I just... Do, I do believe there has to be a curiosity, though. Like you have to be curious about the person enough where you receive who they are authentically and show who you are authentically as well. Because mm -hmm. if you're not curious, you can be very dismissive. Like we've all brought different people into the mix and there's been people who have been rejected. There've been people who've been, recept uh, who've been accepted. And a lot of it has been whether or not we have been curious enough about who we bring into the mix to say, well, who is this person? Why does this person that I love and trust rock with this person? And we sometimes got to dig deep to be like, you know what? I, I'm gonna give you a shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna give you a shot. 
And some people is like, all right, I'll rock with you. Like I have to, but does it have to be curiosity there? And I think that's what, that's the part around the relationship piece that people may miss. You can't, you can't, it can't be about me. It can't be about you, you or you. We have to be curious about each other, ask questions, share information, and, and be willing to, to receive what that person is kind of putting out. Mm. Yeah, but to, to add to that for me, I think that what the, the foundation of that is that there's also a natural gravitation. Like there, there's, there was a natural gravitation that the four of us had towards each other in our summer program. But we weren't the only ones in that summer program. You know what I'm saying? So there was something, you know, it just is what it is. And then beyond that summer program, we've been able to keep that together. There, you know, there was glue to hold that together. So we didn't have to build trust. We didn't have to build respect through the mm -hmm. process. We had that natural gravitation. We saw each other's, we, we saw each other for each other. We allowed each other mm -hmm. to be who and what we were. And then we supported each other throughout the process. And once we bring it, once we figured out that we could support each other, because there are too many people who come in and they'll be cool with you up to a certain point, up to a certain extent. And this goes even with relationships, you know what I'm saying? Romantic relationships. You get someone and, and you cool with them until you smash. Or you cool with them until they put money in your cash app. Or you cool with them until they buy you tickets to Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? But we cool with each other, not for what we can do for each other. And then we're cool beyond that. You know, mm -hmm. it's something like it's a day-to-day -day thing. So I like I like what you said. So when you hear people talk about men and women talk about relationships on how do you know when you find the one, mm -hmm. there is no universal answer for that because I think like you touched on it, it's like when I, I think we all touched on it. When I see you in your natural setting and I see certain components about you that I like and it just forms that creates the quote unquote the one because y'all know we we like it, honest we say we neither gotta like it like there's plenty of stuff I'm sure y'all don't like but that I do no no but I'm talking about as far as relationship wise because we're being transparent y'all know how it was when my ex think about it when I brought my ex around y'all I didn't go nowhere else after her we was bonded I bonded with her immediately I brought her around y'all and I think to Keltrick and Roz Keltrick's point you was like Damn, <laughs> who's this person that you bringing around us that so I don't think when I hear people say I'm looking for that perfect mate, I don't really think there is such a thing as a perfect mate. You got to see them in their natural setting, and then based on how they act and interact around your friends, and you see them naturally, that determines yo. You know what? I might I might have a future with you, and how it progresses. What do you say, Kelsey? I see you looking. What? I, mean, I, I I don't know if I. I mean, I hear you. I think we. I think a bait is somebody who can challenge you and can it can push you in a way that you're able to receive and not be easily offended by. Mm. And I, if you have a if you're if your partner is somebody you can't listen to tell you the truth about what they observe, then I don't know if you're really ready for that partner. Like with John, I always tell him this. He never thinks it was a big deal because it wasn't anything to him, but it meant everything to me to tell me I was wrong and begrudging my granddad when he was like, I ain't giving you this money. That was a, that was monumental for me. And, you, and none of us ever know like what those moments are. Mm. I think about the moment Rashim and I had before I walked down the aisle. That was monumental for me. Me and Neil walking down the street after my grandma died. That was monumental for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so, 
with my wife, we have plenty of those moments, but I think the person who you decide to choose and settle down with, they have to be able to tell you the truth. And it sometimes it may hurt. I mean, Rodney told me plenty of times, Keltra, you wrong. I'm like, damn, for real? <laughs> too much. But, how, but like, I, I like what you said, but how many people do you, well, not necessarily literally, but how many people are actually willing to be vulnerable in a relationship? You know what I'm saying? To like, really, like you said, be able to take the criticism, be able to say, look, I'm not strong enough to handle this. Like so many people have their ego that it kind of prevents them from being. We check each other. And it's not always ego. Sometimes people just don't know how. And you, you and, and, and if you're in a real relationship, you got to make space for that, for them to learn and then, and then do it the right way. Perfect example. I remember when we were all living together, um, I think a call came through. It might've been on a cell phone or a house phone. I don't know what happened one day, but a call came through. Somebody picked it up. I was like, oh, yo, Ryan, your, mo your mother's on the phone. And then like the next day a call came through and then whether on the phone or whatever. And so I was like, yo, your brother's on the phone. And then after that, John was like, yo, Rob, we, we've been cool all these years and you never said nothing about your mother or your brother. It was like, you just dropped out the sky, a full grown man. And you was like, no, we gotta talk. Yeah. And we had, a, we had a come out session. And yeah. it's not because it was an egotistical thing that wasn't vulnerable enough to let y'all in. I just didn't know how. It's like it was, mm. shit never came up before. So it came up now. Now we're talking about it. But in relationships, you got to be intentional enough to kind of have some foresight, for, foresight, and see that you you gotta open up layers. You gotta open. You gotta open up layers. You have to do it. And if you refuse to do it, then you can't be in in a relationship. And you know what's crazy? I think I don't know if you remember this, Rod. You told me a, a scenario about relationships. I don't know if you remember it. I think it'd be a good thing for you to share. Remember you said relationships are about, about like the, something about the deer who was, who was oh. good. I think that. That's, that's, uh, that's from a, that's from a Jan LeVan's book. The, yeah, the, what was the scenario? I think it was a perfect I, I, relationship. What was it? The spirit of the man or whatever. It was a book she wrote about the, for, for, for brothers. Cause she, you know, everyone, she, she writes books for the sisters. But it was one book she wrote for the brother and in, in the opening, it was about um like the forward or the, prologue or whatever it was a story about a, a, a deer who had gotten injured i don't know it was hunting might have gotten shot or whatever but had a wound and then um you had the doe who sensed that there was an issue and nudged the wound and when and when and when she nudged the wound it caused the pain in the deer and the deer lashed out with his hoof hit the doe and now the doe has a gaping wound and and, and now they're looking at each other he's thinking you you touched my sore spot. You saw I was hurting. You touched the point that was hurting. And she's thinking, well, I was just trying to help you. And now they both injured. They go to their separate ways to die. Mm. You know, and and in, in essence, that's what, like, how relationships, especially romantic relationships are going on nowadays. People aren't, people aren't using their damn words. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I tell my daughter all the time, use your fucking, I don't say that word, but use your words. <laughs> use your words. Use people your don't word. use their words. And they think folks are supposed to be mind readers. And, and know what you're thinking, but you could be thinking a trillion things, which could be a, a, a trillion different things from what I'm thinking. Mm, but that's why I'm glad I say words and the, the definitions are different. I'm like, that doesn't, that's not how this works. We gotta right, work with the same definitions. I used to say that all the time. I used to just be funny with it, but I was joking, but I was serious on that whole Lauren Hill verse when she was like, I tell you go when I really mean stay. Well, shit, tell me that you really want me to stay. I'm not a moderator. I don't know what the hell is going on. Be specific, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I think to, to, to uh, you didn't ask this question, but I think at the end of the day, 
a lot of men don't communicate effectively. Um, a lot of women don't say exactly what they want. Did you see John's face? Well, John don't communicate. He said it. You just don't. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> Listen, John, don't act. We, no, we, go for we, it. We, we talked about this a lot of times. Like, John, that's not, you need to say this. Like, I remember one time you was talking about the, the computer. You had to get, you want to get a new computer. And you're like, I'm, I'm about to work on the computer myself. Like, dude, don't do that, man. Just, just spend the money and get a new computer. And you just was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then you eventually end up spending the money to get a new computer. So, like, dude, just, sometimes it's okay to be like, you're right. It's okay. Like, I tell my wife all the time, not all the time, but enough times, you're right. I'm, I'm wrong. It's, it's, it's okay. My e I have no ego about any of that kind of stuff. Well, like you said, to your words, though, Kelcher, you don't think sometimes it can be, sometimes I'm using my, not me specifically, but sometimes a person may be using your words, using their words, but they're not saying it in the way that person wanted to say. Because there was like a little cartoon, I don't know if you saw it on IG, it was a little joke thing about relationships. So this girl called this dude and she was like, hey, I'm around your way, I missed you, um, I'll stop by if you want me to. And I guess in her mind, she wanted to hear him say, yeah, I miss you, come on by. The dude on the other line was like, it's cool. I'm not tripping. So pretty much he's like, so do you want me to or not? He was like, it's cool. I'm not tripping. And it was a big back and forth thing. And the dude is like, if it's cool, if you do, but if you don't, I'm not tripping. But she took it as, okay, I want to hear the words. Yes, I miss you. Come by. So sometimes we, men and women do use their words, but if it's not in the language that the other person wants to hear, it's so passive, out. That's passive aggressive on his part. Actually, in my opinion, mm. he could, he could, in my opinion. Right. Why, why would you say that though? I mean, the scenario is the girl calls and said, you want me to stop by? He's chilling. It's cool. I'm not tripping. Come on by if you want to, or don't come. I, I'll say this. Sometimes in a relationship, if you really want it, sometimes you got to fight for it. And if the question is, do you really want me to come by or not? Yeah, I want you to come by. That's it. If I don't want you to come by, I mean, like, if I'm indifferent, then I'm indifferent. That's not saying no, it's not saying yes. I'm just, I'm good either way. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, because do you want me to come by is a different question than can I come by. His mm. response is more of a, can I come by? Yeah, you come by. I mean, you want to come by? Cool. When she asks, do you want me to come by? What she really wants to know is, do you want me around? Do you want me in your, do you want my presence in, in, in your space? There is want there. Now, I think it might be passive aggressive on her part for not just saying, I need to know that you want me. That's what I think she should say. I need to know that you want me. And at that point, he has to be like, well, hell yeah, I want you. Because if she, if she asks, I need to know that you want me. And, and my response is, eh, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> then, then, I'm, then I'm the asshole. It works both ways. Mm -hmm. She gotta use her words. We need to use ours too. Mm -hmm. What you got, John? Um, well, I think we're gonna need to wrap it up on that one. That was a good <laughs> little word. <laughs> I mean, we've all had different experiences and everything like this. Um, my experience has been radically different than you three, and that's okay. It is what it is. I have uh, used words, sign language. <laughs> Uh, smoke signals, Morse code, thing. Morse code. It doesn't necessarily work if the relationship is not working. Like I believe one of y'all said earlier, you know, you got to fight for it or whatever the case is. I think that's very, very true. Um, sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's not. You could talk 
all day long, talk to you blue in the face. If they ain't going, if they not with it, they not with it. Male or female. You know what, real quick, John, before you, before you finish, because I thought about it too. How many of us really know, do you know what your love language is? Because I know that was, that was a significant part. That's a different, that's a different question for a different time, Neil. I mean, it's my love language. We try to wrap up. Um, that's, that's another 20, 30 minutes. Okay. We can do that, but I'm going to write that down. I'm going to write that down for next week. Everyone, <laughs> everyone take your love language exam. Take the, take the online test. There you yeah. go. There you go. All right. I mean, well, internet, we've had another little episode here. Again, Where can they find us at, John? Anchor, Spotify, <laughs> YouTube. What else? Um, what else? Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. You know, Facebook, Instagram. We are all over social media. Straight with an eight, no chaser, podcast. And you Google us. You don't like keep comments, too. So tell them that they want to leave, read, listen to comments, read. If people want to leave comments, watch us on YouTube and you can comment there. Right. You can leave comments. You can hit us up on social media. Um, all of the above. So, yeah, holla at us. You know, we enjoy this. We want to, you know, get more people out there. So like it, subscribe, tell your friends, yeah. all of the above. Fellas, y'all got one last thing? Nope. That's it? Yep. Y'all peace out. God bless and good night. Yeah, Brianna Taylor, we, we still need to get justice for her, man. We got two people arrested. We got two more to go. There you go. Shout out to Brianna Taylor. Rest in peace. Indeed. On that note, all right. And that peace. Yeah. Straight, no chaser.